0: On this episode, we interview the founder of a beauty and makeup subscription business, has rapidly grown to twenty million dollars in revenue in a space of just three years. They've done this by using influencers, referral, and affiliate programs. It's a great interview. Do stay tuned. Get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce group. So on inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and
1: our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan.
0: I'm Kune Campbell. L-l-l-l- let's get rolling. If you're looking to grow your business, there's only one way by building real quality customer relationships. Most marketing software will claim they can do this, but will never deliver on their promises. You need to demand more from your marketing software. And that's where Klaviyo comes in. Klaviyo helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers, allowing you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages that is why 10,000 innovative brands have switched to Clavio what's the secret to building customer relationships tune in to Clavio's beyond Black Friday docu series to find out and unlock marketing strategies you can use to keep momentum going year round Just head over to klaviyo.com forward slash beyond Bf for more that's Clavio.com forward slash beyondbf.com. Hi, guys. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. And we are obsessed with growing metrics such as conversions, average order, value, repeat customers, and ultimately sales. So if you're you know, essentially looking to grow your e-commerce store, um, listen in because the guests I bring in are you know, the real deal. Um, they, 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 they've been in the trenches and they have actionable tips. Speaking of which my guest today is, he has a very, very interesting backstory. Um, he built, uh, he's pretty much bootstrapped, a, a beauty and makeup, you know, um, industry and is headed towards, um, Making this a uh, you know um, a nine figure business is is shy of was just shy of nine figures um, in such a short amount of time I think you you 're due to hit twenty million you know dollars let 's not even talk about the money here but let 's just talk about the impact you know You've you've made in you know in the makeup and cosmetics industry. So basically, we're going to talk about you know a massive amount of you know how you know he's been able to grow his brand or Life Glam, um you know dot com, um to to what it is now you know among millennials. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome um Dar to to the show. Welcome, Dar. Hey,
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: I'm I'm actually really excited to have you because um, when um when I was reading through your backstory I was just like you know this is super super impressive um you know just given where you're coming from and you know how you're able to to quickly turn you know around um you know that situation and you know make a really impactful business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it really comes down to perseverance for most entrepreneurs and I've definitely written out like a lot of highs and lows, um, which is ultimately like why I consider I failed my way to success.
0: Okay. We're going to talk about your, your failures and your successes, you know, going forward, but before we do that, um, could you briefly introduce yourself? Cause I didn't do you enough
1: justice. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so, my name is Dar Mann. I'm the founder and CEO of Lifelam. Uh I also create motivational and inspirational videos that have been viewed over 200 million times in just the past six months alone. I've uh, been an entrepreneur like my whole life, uh, you know, ever since I was like in middle school and high school, had little bootleg businesses. And then I started my first company when I was 19 years old in college. Uh, by 21, uh, actually, before I was even legally able to drink, uh, I had three houses. I had a Lamborghini that I was driving back and forth to class at UC Davis. Did extremely well in real estate. Then the real estate crisis hit, um, sort of lost everything, started from scratch again. Ended up in the medical marijuana industry um, around 2010, 2011. Uh, built up the first national franchise uh, for Medical marijuana business, Um, scaled that, ran into some various problems, ended up selling that, entered my 30s completely broke with like less than a thousand bucks to my name. And then from there is when I started my current company, Live Glam, which I bootstrapped from $600 in starting capital. Which is all the money that I had um, to now um, being a twenty million dollar business as of this year.
0: From six hundred to twenty million, uh, that's phenomenal. How many years did you? How many years has Life Glam been been running for?
1: It's been three years now.
0: Three years. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Let's let's rewind. You know, back to um, but briefly, you know, really briefly, to your um, real estate days and your college days. How did you get into real estate um, and, and how did you make a fortune there at the time?
1: Yeah. So I was going through a breakup, actually. It's funny how a lot of these stories are like inspired by breakups or you know some sort of personal feel. Uh, I was going through a breakup. I was 19. I was on this dance team with an ex-girlfriend of mine and it was a co-ed dance team. And because we had broken up, everyone had kind of sided with her, at least all the girls on the team. Uh, so I ended up leaving this dance team. I was really fired up to like, just, I'm, you know, I'm going to show her that I'm going to be bigger than ever. And I don't need this dance team. <laughs> um, and so I just really got into business, but I didn't really know, you know, what the business would be. And so at the time uh, I was 19, I just got approved for, I, I just got approved for this. Really amazing apartment that was on college campus that was like really hard to actually, it was a lottery system. So they don't give these units out to everyone. I got the apartment, it was a two bedroom, and I needed a roommate. And this is before like Craigslist existed or a lot of the modern day, like, you know, um, marketing platforms to help find roommates. So the only thing that I could think of uh, was to go around campus and post little flyers on the bulletin boards inside of the lecture halls. So I woke up super early. I, I came up with like a design for a flyer. I printed all these copies, and then I went around to like the sixty-plus lecture halls and put flyers on, you know, in all of these buildings. It was a lot of work, uh, but right away, within that same day, I found a roommate um, through these flyers, and that's when it dawned on me that. This is a really great way uh, to reach students. And there's probably a lot of brands and companies out there that are trying to reach college students but don't know how. And it's certainly a lot of work to have to go and advertise in all these buildings. So that's when I decided to start my first official company at 19 years old. It was called Davis Marketing Services. And I didn't have any money at the time. So I was very strategic in terms of how I built up with no capital. I did all the graphic designs myself. And then I hired a salesperson to just go around to different brands, such as like apartment buildings and new restaurants that were opening up on campus, and offered him a 50% commission for any sale that he got for people that would use our marketing services. Uh, And then I worked with a printing company and set up like a commission basis. So for every job I sent to the printing company, I would make a little bit of money on the back end. And then I ended up partnering with a sorority um, who needed to raise money for their events. And you know, they had a lot of pledges. So the sorority would go around posting all the flyers for all the brands. So I built this little business Mm -hmm. and I went from like this broke college kid to like very quickly making about $10,000 a month around that same time. My brother was telling me he'd just gotten into real estate. He was making a killing far more than I was making. This is around two thousand five, two thousand six, before the whole mortgage crisis hit. And he said, "Hey, you should really think about marketing, using your marketing company um, to sell real estate services because the industry is booming." And so I basically ended up opening a boiler room, like just what you would imagine for a boiler. <laughs> room where you walk inside of a small office, and there was like dozens of college students. I had. Um, dialing for dollars, like picking up phones and cold calling people to try to get them to refinance to lower their interest rate or take cash out of their homes. Um, so by the time I was twenty one I ended up scaling that business. I had about forty employees. I was making more than my college professors were, um, and yeah, I was running a really successful mortgage company uh, at that age did
0: you Did you get to graduate eventually, or did you drop out and you know go into business?
1: Yeah. What happened is, you know, I started making money at a young age and money making, once you make money becomes like very addicting and then it's hard just to go back to school. So I had dropped out of college. I was like, what's the point of, you know, completing my degree when I'm already doing so well. And then a local, my, I never told my parents because I come from a, um, I'm Indian. I come from a conservative Indian household where education is everything. And they're just like, if you have a college degree, it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire, no one's going to marry you. The community is going to kick you out. Everybody's going to look down upon you. You got to get your degree. And so you know, I felt all that family pressure, so I ended up um, getting out of the business, going back to school, completing my degree, and then that was right around when the whole mortgage crisis hit anyway, so it was probably good timing
0: it was good timing exactly exactly so fast forward to the medical marijuana um you know um you know experience you had was this online or was this um, a bricks and mortar
1: yeah, it was brick and mortar, and so I was running uh, I was still in real estate i was I was renting out um, commercial property in Oakland, California, which is sort of the epicenter of the whole medical marijuana movement. And one of the tenants uh, that I had, one of the commercial tenants that was running a quote unquote catering company, came to me one day and said that he had a break in inside of his commercial space. So right away, I get on the phone and and I put it on speaker and I'm about to call 911 to report it. And the tenant's just like, no, no, wait, before you actually call the cops, I got something to tell you. And I hung up and I said, what's up? And he's like, well, I'm not exactly running a catering business. I'm using the space to grow medical marijuana. And I was like, you're using our space to grow weed? Like that's so illegal. You're gonna get me in trouble. I'm gonna go to jail. So I ended up filing a um, unlawful detainer lawsuit to try to get that tenant evicted. And right before I went to go see the judge, my attorney comes to me and goes, "Dar." I just want to let you know that we looked at this tenant's paperwork and everything's legit and they're actually in compliance with the law. So if you move forward, you're going to probably lose this case. And I looked at him and I was like, do you mean that it's legal to grow marijuana in California? Like there's no way that's possible. And so a light bulb went on. I went home, I did a whole bunch of research and I realized that this was actually a real thing. It was an industry industry. California was one of the first states to approve medical marijuana. There was a whole bunch of demand for it. So I started pretty early on as an earlier pioneer in getting into and into building out a uh, medical marijuana uh, national business. Yeah. Were you
0: at um, the distribution? Were you production? Did you need a pharmacy license? You know, anything
1: along those lines? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So I looked at it sort of like the gold rush and just thought of it as like not a lot of people that actually moved to California to pursue the gold rush made money panning for gold. But who really made money was like the Levi Strauss, the people selling the picks, pans and shovels. So I actually sold all the equipment that you needed to grow marijuana, not the plant itself.
0: Interesting. And you sold it in in a store.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I started a retail store in 2010, and then I scaled it nationally. Oh, wow, um, so it was like the first medical marijuana franchise.
0: So how many how many branches did you did you get to 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 to, to put out nationally?
1: Yeah. So we ended up getting to about 10 locations. And then that was definitely one of the... I, it's, it's a very challenging industry in itself with a lot of red tape. Uh, but I did run into problems in trying to scale. So we eventually shifted from a retail model to a consulting business. Got it. Got it.
0: Got it. Okay. Let's fast forward to, to LifeGlam. Um, you worked with, um, so you, 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 came across, uh, an influencer was, was she an influencer at the time or just, a, a, a you know, a lady that, you know, was upset that, that, that was into makeup. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So fast forward, I mean, I had lots of different highs and lows, like, you know, many of which I'm just skipping over, but I entered 30 years old, completely broke with 600 bucks left to my name. I was living in this tiny studio apartment in Hollywood and at the point where I couldn't even make the next month's rent. So I was about to move back home in with my parents in Northern California, which is super embarrassing. Being a 30 year old Indian man moving back into your family, like in our culture, that's like the most embarrassing thing for any young man. So, you know, I was just really down, down on myself. And then I happened to be at a lunch. Uh, and I met this beauty influencer who was telling a story um, about how she was traveling all over the world and teaching these sold-out makeup seminars that she was charging four to five hundred dollars a pot for. And so I just asked, you know, I was like, "Have you thought about taking the concept online? I'm sure you could reach a lot more students." And she was like, "Yeah, I would love to. I just don't know how." And I certainly didn't know how, you know, I knew, I know, I knew nothing about makeup and I'd never had an online business before. Certainly never taught online classes, but just like necessity, is the mother of all invention, I sort of just blurted out, I can do it even though I had no idea how to And she was like, okay. And that kind of started our partnership.
0: Well, okay. So how did you, Move it, you know, online. Did 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 you, you know, how what what the next steps or what did you do with with the initial capital of six hundred, you know, um, US dollars?
1: Yeah, exactly. Good question. So, you know, how I, I didn't have any money, and trying to scale a business when you don't have money is difficult. Uh, but one of the big advantages that I had is I was working with this beauty influencer who already had a a following, right, especially on Instagram. Uh, and so while I was working on the whole operations aspect of trying to figure out how you know the production would work, the lighting, the filming, the streaming, the website, um, she had pretty much the marketing and sales aspect covered uh, because she had this follower base to be able to promote to. Um, so it really helped uh, just working with an established influencer. Uh, so we got instant traction right away as soon as she started talking about it.
0: And then, um, when did you start selling? When when did you start? So, before that, um, what what about the equity split? Um, how did you guys figure out um who owned what in 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 the brand?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, I I actually worked out a deal where it was more so a commission basis. Um, so I owned one hundred percent of the company. It wasn't even really a company. It was more so just like a passion project that I was running from my living room that I was trying to get, like I was just trying to pay my rent essentially with. It didn't start off as thinking, I'm going to scale this to like this eight figure business. And, you know, I'm going to be making all this money and develop and scale and, you know, grow a team. It was more so just like, I've got this opportunity. I could probably pay rent through this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I partnered with her on a commission basis and there was no actual equity deal.
0: Okay. And then um, off the back of her sessions online and probably also offline, she sold your products, your physical products.
1: Uh, so no, that actually came as like the evolution. So in the beginning, okay. started off as online content. Like, do you want to know about like our first month in business? Like how yes, much? Please. Okay. So we had set a launch date when I only had 600 bucks to my name. Like that was all the money that I had. All my credit cards were like maxed out. I I didn't have any other sources of cash. And so after uh, she said yes, I figured out how can I make 600 bucks go the longest way possible so we can launch this site. First thing I did was go to Best Buy. I bought a webcam and a couple softbox lights. That ended up costing 400 bucks. I had $200 left in my name. So I went on Craigslist and I was like, urgently needed somebody to help build a scrappy website for a subscription online school. Um, can anyone do it for 200 bucks? And the cheap, most people told me like, you're out of your mind, This way too low. But one person believed in me and was just like, you know what, I could do it for 400 bucks, pay me 200 upfront and then 200 after it launches. Mm-hmm. Boom. So we went ahead and launched the website. For my main hero on the homepage, I wanted to have a video by the beauty influencer that explained how the whole online school would work. So we shot a video and in order to host it on the web, in order to publish it on the website, I needed to host it somewhere. So I published it on YouTube and then I bent it. I embedded it on our, on our homepage. And then that night, I went to bed and we were going to launch that following morning. That's when the, in, that's when the influencer was going to make her first social post to talk about what we were doing. I wake up in the morning and it's 6 a.m. We weren't going to launch for like a few more hours. I open my email and I'm just flooded with messages from PayPal saying new payment, new payment, new payment, 1999, 1999, $19.99 new payment. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, where are all these payments coming from? I thought maybe the beauty influencer had made the announcement before the actual launch. I go on her page and there was nothing there. And so I freak out. I call my web developer and I'm like, there's some glitch that's happening. Like, all these people's credit cards are getting charged. Like, find out what's going on and correct it. He gets off the phone with me, calls me back an hour later, and he goes, Dar, I looked into this. Those are actual real payments. Like these are legit transactions. And what it turned out happening was because I had uploaded that video to YouTube and I had used the beauty influencer's name and the title, her name was searched so heavily that the video ended up trending. And before we had even launched, we generated about $60,000 in sales while I was sleeping pre-launch. Wow. So that's when like, the light bulb went off. And I was like, wow, there's a major opportunity here you know, in the beauty industry, working with influencers and online content. And so right away from launching that first version of just selling content, um, we, we turned into... I, I think we did it just shy of a million dollars in sales like within that first year.
0: Well, so what was the structure of the content you're you're sending, the videos? Were they makeup tutorials for end users or were they makeup tutorials for makeup artists?
1: Yeah, great question. So I always look at it as like the riches are in the niches. And a lot of people are like, can't you just get online classes taught on YouTube? Why would anyone actually want to pay for it? And the answer is, is because our, our user base is people that are aspiring to be professional makeup artists mm-hmm. and want to go a lot more in-depth um, than end users would want that consume YouTube videos. Um, so they're more, at, uh, they're more dedicated to those wanting to actually professionally practice makeup artistry.
0: Okay. And, and then that was a subscription business. So they paid $10, was it, or, or more on a monthly basis basis? Yeah, $19 a month. $19. As well. And th- and then um your your monthly revenue was to the tune of about sixty thousand dollars a
1: month. Yeah, our first year or so just selling those online classes, I think we ended up doing about 700000 dollars in sales. Wow.
0: Okay. That's super yeah. impressive. Super impressive. And then um from year year one, um, what do year two look like in into business?
1: Yeah, so in year 2 I was trying to figure out like how is it that we can scale? And so I was just monitoring comments that we'd get. Like if anyone's looking, anyone's running a business and you're looking for customer feedback, I mean, The best thing is just look at what people are saying on social media to be able to uncover opportunities. And even if you don't have that much engagement on your own social platforms, look at the competitors um, that have social engagement and see what their customers are saying. So that's where I get a lot of my ideas from. I was looking at the comments from our customers that were taking the classes. And one of the number one comments was, oh, I wish I actually had the products that are being used in the class so I could follow along and do it at the same time. And so that's when I came up with, why don't we add a product component um, with the classes and we could do it as an annual upsell. So basically, anyone who signed up for an annual membership at you know, 240 bucks a pop, it would come with a free beauty box uh, that would feature different popular cosmetic products. So I reached out to different makeup brands and I said, I'm working with this beauty influencer. We want to feature your products inside of this beauty box. And everyone right away responded and was like, Yes, you know, we'll donate the product for free. We just want our product in this beauty influencer's hands. Just let us know whatever you want. So I ended up getting all the product for free, put it in this box and offered it as its annual upsell. And then that's sort of how it took the content and the subscription to the next level. At the same time, I also realized that there was so much demand for product that there was probably a bigger opportunity there than rather than just selling content. I had one of the brands I ended up reaching out to and trying to get them to sponsor a box. Is Morphe Brushes. And Morphe, uh, they're a very popular makeup, uh, very popular cosmetics company. Any female listening to this probably will have recognized them. Mm -hmm. And they told me that they're interested in starting a subscription of their own just for their products, but they don't know how. And they sort of look to me as this expert in subscriptions, even though I'd only done it for several months. Um, we ended up like seeing an opportunity. They had the products, I had the subscription expertise. And so we ended up partnering together and then that became our first product specific subscription that we launched in year two.
0: Amazing. I'm, I'm on your website now under the brush club tab and I can see the off me, you know, um, you know, um, brand there. And you you guys are now giving three to eight makeup brushes for $19.99 per month. You're, you know, obviously with a subscription business, it's, it's, um, it's evolved to be, um, this would definitely resonate with people who use makeup, you know, um, brushes regularly, which would be the professionals. I would think is, is that.
1: Yeah, the audiences overlapped. Um, that's another great thing. Is if you are looking at like a separate product category, mm-hmm. trying to create products that target the same audience that you already have will give you a big boost. And so, since we already had the aspiring makeup artists that were taking the classes, it became very easy. To the natural progression was be was to start targeting them uh, with now a makeup brush club so they could actually grow their collection to make the brushes that they could use for their artistry. So it became very synergistic. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And then, um, after off me, what was, what was success like? Awesome. You know, um, what did the first, um, you know, um, pilot, um, with, with Moff me, you know, turn out to be.
1: Mm-hmm. So turn that's out. when, uh, we went from basically $700,000 in revenue, our first year being content only our second year, we ended up launching Morphe me, and that's when we went from 700000 to about $7 million in business. Wow.
0: From, from just this brand?
1: Uh, just from this partnership alone. So wow. we had our online classes and then we had our brush club. And those were our two subscriptions that scaled us from the $600 to the $7 million within okay. two years.
0: And then um, top of the funnel, um, what did you guys have um, in terms of driving attention? Was it YouTube videos or... Um, how, how
1: did How did you reach out to to um, to to
0: to your customers or potential
1: customers? Yeah, I think that was sort of the genius in the way that we had structured things like that was really the power of broke. I had no money to spend on marketing when we launched, and so I partnered with the beauty influencer who had this built in audience. So just through her promotions alone, that's what allowed us to scale to that first $700,000 in revenue. Mm -hmm. And then when we partnered with Morphe Brushes, there there are like, you know, now they have almost 10 million followers. But at that time, they had a big following base as well and a very active community. So they were the ones that promoted for us. um, And we didn't spend any other money on any other type of marketing.
0: Whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, so on your site now, um, I can't seem to see the, um, subscription to content anymore. Is, is this something you've put, is, is, am I missing something here or? Yeah,
1: exactly. So as we started to evolve more into products, that's when I realized that the bigger opportunity here is in products. Um, and you know, you have to just be able to prior- prioritize, like we were spending so much of our time focused on the content it was like the classic 80-20 rule. 80% of our time was going towards the content, but the content was only 20% of our revenue. So around our third year is when we decided that, you know what, we're going to make the full shift to product only. And then we actually have a standalone site in which we do content subscriptions. And that content subscription still continues to do several hundred thousand dollars in revenue a year. But under live Clem, now it's 100% product focus. And anyone who signs up for our club actually gets the cl- actually gets classes for free. Um, it's one of the added benefits of being a member is the subscriptions come with tutorials that teach you how to use the products.
0: Super interesting. How do you get to the content site?
1: Uh, Yeah, so the content site is branded after that beauty influencer that I originally partnered with. Mm -hmm. Her name is Dress Your Face. And so the actual website is dressyourfacelive.com. Got it. Okay.
0: Okay. And and you support, you still support her in, in her, um, in, with, with the content. This is all part of the, the entire business, but it's just split, you know, um, front end wise to, to customers.
1: Exactly. So, you know, in the beginning, our first year of business, our content was 100% of our revenue. By the second year, it had dropped down to about 20%. And then by our third year, it, it was about 3 to 5% of our revenue. So, even though, um, you know, it's becoming a smaller and smaller percentage, uh, it's still meaningful. Uh, and it's also about sort of managing the relationship that helped get us started. Um, yeah, so we still run it.
0: Okay, so fast forward with Life Glam today. Um, what are you doing top of the funnel? How are you creating awareness of of the product beyond um, your, your the original um, influencer? Still spending zero dollars in
1: marketing. Really? <laughs> yeah, still spending. You we're know, not, we we're not I, investing into any paid marketing right now. We're not spending a single dollar. You know, wow. we. I had a lot of people advising me a fourth quarter of last year, like the holidays are coming. We really got to do a big push. So we ended up spending you know, a good amount like on Facebook ads, on Google ads, on retargeting, on programmatic. Um, and after looking at our CPAs, um, we just decided to continue focused on the growth that was working for us uh, in terms of just performance commission-based marketing for our top partners and affiliates.
0: Okay. Uh, and and who,
1: who, do you, who are your affiliates now? Um, are they influencers? Yeah. Great question. So we have like one of the things that we ended up implementing um, was an ability for existing members to be able to refer friends um, and be able to offer the friends that they refer a free product for joining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how it work is any, any person that will even today becomes a member of Lifelam, you're given an affiliate code. And if anyone signs up with your affiliate code, Dear friend ends up getting one free product, and then you also get one free product when they join, so it's like a win win yeah and then we realized that you know there are certain people that were referring a good amount of friends and they were and they could only use so much lipstick, so they were more interested in earning cash for their referrals. You graduate them right <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so I was this. yeah, so we created two tiers where if somebody refers fifty friends in a month, then mm. they Become part of what we call our diamond program where they get $10 referral for every friend, which yeah. is a very generous commission, but looking at our lifetime value. Lifetime value. Yep. Makes uh, sense. So once we started offering the commission base, then we realized that we actually had some members that were influencers themselves. And we didn't even realize, we never even asked them. We never even knew of their existence, but they started <laughs> promoting our products. And then we all of a sudden started seeing people referring like several hundred friends or 700, several hundred followers a month. And now like our top diamond member consistently refers three to 5,000 members a month. A month. Um, Yeah, a month. So it was just like a natural organic evolution in which we started this program we ended up like attracting the right people as part of our membership, gave them the infrastructure that they needed to promote our products, and they get a commission for everything they sell. We don't pay anything up front.
0: That's super impressive. It's, it's, it's super impressive, you know, how um, at the front end of, of the business, you know, um, your customers are actually the major drivers to, to growth, um, which is telling of the quality of products you're selling, you know, um, in terms of the quality, you know, so it's, it's really good. Um, that they use it over and over again and um, they're happy to recommend it to their friends. So, um, Kudos. So your your product expansion plan, um, so moving to, so on, on your website, um, we have them off me, um, you know, um, the brushes, I could see lipsticks, eyeshadows. So how, how did you start to progress and, you know, stack, you know, your offering, you know, or how did you determine the right partnerships to, to engage in um, to, to further build out the brand?
1: Yeah, great question. So we almost ended up starting over our third year in business, even though, you know, we had done almost $10 million in revenue by our second year. What we've come to realize is nobody knew who Live Glam was. Um, every like we had a lot of members, a lot of revenue, but everyone just knew us because of the brands and partner, because of the brand and the influencer partnerships that we had. No one really knew us for us. We didn't have our own community. We were behind the scenes sort of putting the name of the influencer and name of the cosmetics brand like for front and center. And so it dawned on us that we're going to continue to go in that direction where our name and our brand is behind the scenes unless we actually create something ourselves that people love. So after we launched our Brush Club, um, you know, we started to get a lot more interest from other brands wanting to partner with us to power subscriptions for them. And I was thinking, okay, do we want to be more so a platform in which we can enable subscriptions for various different other brands? Or do we actually want to develop our own brand and have our own community around our products with people that love the products that we're developing? So that's why in the third year, we decided to develop our own in-house cosmetics, sort of going the Dollar Shave Club route, right? Like yep. that was when Dollar Shave Club had just got inquired by Unilever. And I was like, okay, we should start developing our own product. So we, uh, we took that opportunity to create, to put product development within our wheelhouse, went and hired you know a handful of people that are really experts in this field, and then uh, our liquid lipstick club which became our next product subscription is actually developed in-house by us so um, the, kiss, so the own- kiss me brand is is your own brand it's your own branded now it's our own brand and yeah. then and then same thing with the shadow me it's our own brand of eyeshadow palettes that we actually manufacture our own products and okay. so that's the direction going forward is it takes longer, you know. It's certainly a little bit harder because the marketplace has to get used to your brand and products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're building it for scratch, but in the longevity of things, we see it as a bigger opportunity because we're not building our brands on the shoulders of anybody else.
0: It's an asset, really. Your your direct to consumer subscription, you know, business that in itself is a lot of weight. You know, um, you know,
1: whenever you want to exit, if if you want to exit. Exactly. And building the brand is like the best investment any marketer could make because that'll pay a long-term difference.
0: And, and you see, the advantage of this is the fact that you have, you know, the life, you, you, you have a platform. So a lot of, you know, the challenge for a lot of e-commerce, e is they try and go direct to consumer, which is not a bad thing first without a base. And, you know, it is tough, right? It is tough. You're thinking about manufacturing, you're thinking about branding, you're thinking about, you know, marketing. But, you know, given the fact that you already had that base with the brush club, you know, you were able to to market to the brush club, you know, base, and then you know, scale up from there. And also the 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 um the the relationships you'd have had with the influencers, an easier you know, conversation. To say, hey, um, you know, beyond the brushes, you're you're promoting for us. You know, um, what about lipsticks and eyeshadows? What what was your experience? You know, when um you you started to introduce like lipstick club and um. The, the eyeshadow club to, to your influences?
1: It was hard. It was really hard because in the beginning, you know, we had so many members in our brush club, um, and we were doing, you know, a significant amount of revenue and with product development, now we actually have to forecast inventory. We have to like, we had to take on a lot of responsibilities that we didn't really have a lot of expertise on. Mm. And then when we eventually launched the club, we had all these big expectations that people would be really excited But to be honest, it was it was somewhat of a flop because we didn't really uh, get a lot of members excited about it initially in the beginning. And so for the first several months, like I was even talking to, we have an advisor um, who consults with like a lot of um, Silicon Valley and Fortune 500 companies, and he was just like, "Look, if it's not working after the first few months, it's probably just not good product market fit. So I wouldn't keep going down that route. I would just give up." And go back to your old strategy of partnering with brands and influencers. And so for the first few months, we couldn't grow. I actually... Every month, just as a personal exercise, I write down my thoughts as to how I'm feeling about you know, wherever I am in business and with each one of our clubs. And I, I going back to those notes, I had written that I had no idea how the Lipstick Club was ever going to scale. I thought it was like a dead end. We were thinking about scrapping it. But what I underestimated is that it just takes time for things to catch on, you know, especially in cosmetics because people really want to see other people talking about it. They want to see reviews. It takes a while for the word to spread. So our first few months, I'm just like, Oh my God, this is a total disaster. And then after that, you know, people started getting used to it and just realizing that this is a real thing. And then our influencers got behind it that, we ended up scaling the club 400% within 2018 and it actually now um, is the biggest part of our re- revenue, even more so than the brush club. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing story. It's like changing your toothpaste, you
0: know, <laughs> as simple as, as, as that sounds, it, it is terrifying in a way because you're so used to, you know, the brands you use and, you know, when, it becomes normalised, as you you know alluded to. Then um, you you try the alternative, and you know I I you know I can only imagine how much um, of you know product development you've put into, you know um you know the the in, into the, the 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 lipstick and the um um and. Into both products, you know, basically to, to 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 really, you know, um, you know, make sure on the eyeshadows are to 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 make sure, you know, um, they're they're up at par with, you know, what your customers are used to.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, it takes me. I struggled too with the names of makeup products for a long time. So don't worry at all. Uh, but yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing is going back to the branding aspect. A lot of people ask me like, what is the growth hack that took you from 600 bucks to $20 million? And what is that one thing? And people are sort of looking for, oh, you know, like, uh, have this hero or include this social proof or have this. <laughs> this Gabi. But honestly, I would say it really comes down to the product itself. Yeah. And that's sort of hard between the marketing and product teams because you you could have the worst product in the world. And even with the best marketing, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But if you have the best product in the world, even with the worst marketing, eventually, just because of word amount, that product yeah. will get into consumers' hands. So I would say when thinking about growth, really focus on the product itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You come up to shit product, you know, um, excuse my, my French, but, um, that's just the, the, the nature of, you know, the, the game really. Um, and yeah, you're just spot on, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, to ask for a, for a magic bullet, you know, more or less, but, but you know, you, you just, you're, you're spot on there. And the fact that you're a replenishable business, you know um you're not going to look for you know once you've acquired a customer with a great product they're staying you know for for a lot of months, if not years with you so um you know that formula there with customer lifetime value just layers in you know a really successful brand okay um brilliant and before we round up um our conversation is is there any you know um anything we haven't covered um that um, has been really instrumental to the success of the Life Glam brand. That um, we haven't, you know, touched upon on, on this um, in this conversation.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would just say um, the one key ingredient to success, uh, I would say, is just perseverance. Keep on going. You know, it, there's a lot of people that sort of just look as to where we are today, and they're just like, "Darn, it's easy for you to say." You know, you run this. Company have all these employees, have all these followers, but you know, not too long ago, I was trying to figure out how the hell I was going to even pay my rent and stay afloat on my bills. And even you know, there's so many highs and lows between all those moments. It wasn't just like year one, you know, seven hundred thousand. Year two, seven. Like there were so many highs and lows and moments where I thought that this is the end. There's no way we're ever going to get past this you know, we're not going to make it to the next year. And then somehow just figuring out ways of sort of getting it together and keep pushing forward. So the one thought one thought that I would love for everybody to leave with is that, you know, no matter how hard things get, no matter how gloomy your outlook looks, if you think that you can't go on, like you're a lot more perseverant than you probably even give yourself credit for. And a lot of the times the different difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that unsuccessful people just give up too soon. Like, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. You're going to have a lot of bad days. You're going to have a lot of days where you think that this is the end. This is over. Every successful person faces that. Um, but you know, if, if you just maintain that mentality of perseverance, you'd be really surprised as to how far you can get. No,
0: I love that. I love that. You know, um, just, you know, stick into your guns with, with perseverance. Um, and you have a YouTube channel. Um, I, I just searched you on Google. Um, do you talk, you know, more around,
1: you know, mindsets on your channel? Absolutely. That is mainly what my focus is for my YouTube channel because success starts from the inside out. You know, a lot of times we're just chasing success by, okay, I want the body I want. So I need to just go to the gym. Um, or I need, you know, I need to solve my financial problem. So I need to go and make all this money, but it starts with your mindset, right? Like you can go to the gym every, you can go to the gym like quite often, but if you don't have the right mindset going into the gym, then you're not going to have the best workout. You're not going to be pushing yourself. You're not going to be dragging yourself there on the days that you don't actually want to work out. So all the content I create is about how to get in the right growth-oriented mindset to be able to accomplish all of your goals and really live your best life, whatever that means to you, which I think is what we're all after.
0: Yeah. I've just subscribed to your channel, by the way. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. And guys, um, just jump onto YouTube and just type out Dharma. It's D-H-A-R-M-A-N-N. And you find it handsome chap. Okay. Um let's start out with um evergreen questions. It's a lightning round. I uh, I try and get most entrepreneur um guests, um, if they have the time um to 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 do it. They're more or less, you know, um five questions and all I'll require is a one single sentence answer from you if possible.
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. Uh for me to answer in one, one yeah,
0: sentence. Yeah. Ready when you are. <laughs> yeah. Let's okay. How do you hire people?
1: one sentence, um, uh, spending a lot of time on hiring is one of the best investments you can make and using platforms like indeed and Craigslist and having processes and people that just focus on hiring. Okay. Awesome.
0: What are the three indispensable tools to use for managing your
1: business? Skype, monday.com, which is a project management software mm-hmm. and Slack
0: and Slack. Okay. Um, then what's been your best mistake to date? By that I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback.
1: Having a data breach um, and realizing how important it is to protect the safety and experience of customers.
0: Interesting. Um, what one piece of advice would you give you know, retailers keen on you know, um, changing their mindset? On retailers, Keen? No. on what, What's one piece of advice would you give retailers, so listeners keen on changing their mindset? Think long-term. Think long-term. Amazing. If you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact um, on how you've been building a business and growth, which would it be?
1: Uh, from Good to Great by Jim Collins.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Dar, Dar for, for, for coming on the show. Um, what's the best way besides your YouTube channel um, for people to follow you?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty active on Facebook as well. If you just search my name, Dar Man, and then through my website it has my personal contact info as well if anyone wants to get a hold of me.
0: Okay. Many, many thanks for your time and sharing the amazing story of Life Glam and the success you've had. Um, I'm sure you're an inspiration and I I, I would guess that, you know, um, listeners will reach out to you.
1: Awesome. I can't wait. Thanks so much for having me a part of the show. Cheers. So that was a wrap on
0: this week's episode of 2x e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week.